Hart. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you're doing well today and I hope you're ready for some good advice to help you grow your business. Wherever you are, whether you're in Arkansas or in Kansas, Colorado, New York, whatever state you're in or whatever state of your business you're in. Maybe you're just starting out. Maybe you're a tried and true business veteran. You've tuned into a show where I hope to give you some good advice to help you grow your business. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the things that you can be doing right now to stand out among all of your competitors. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. I've been marinating on this a lot lately, only because I've been going to a lot of different networking events where someone gets up and they say something along the lines of, hey, here's why we're different. And then they go into like a long tangent about, you know, their secret sauce and all the things they bring to the table. Well, if you aren't long, uh, if you haven't been in business long, you may not realize this, but those kinds of things really don't mean much to your prospective customer. They really ultimately don't care. So what do they care about? Well, we're going to be talking about that today on the show, including discussing the power of the handwritten note and why I always send this one kind of video to all my new customers all that and more on the show today. But before we dive in, we got to have a word from one of the amazing businesses that sponsor the podcast. Check this out. We'll be right back soon. Talk to you soon. Life is constantly moving quickly. And in fact, I find myself more and more wanting a pause button to capture some of those special memories with my family. That's why I love what the team at Duncan and Stone is doing. They've created high-quality keepsake journals for every stage of life. From people who are freshly engaged all the way to welcoming their first child, Duncan & Stone has a series of journals that are incredible for capturing some of those precious memories, and not just memories, but the stories and conversations that you want to have with your loved ones one day. Personally, I love the Dear Daughter Journal because it captures all the amazing memories that I want to be able to tell my daughter Maylee one day the team at Duncan and Stone understands the value of keeping these memories close to home. That's why they've spared no expense in creating high quality journals that are designed in-house because they know how precious these memories are. Check out DuncanandStone.com and see some of the journals that will walk you through every stage of life. They're easy to use and beautiful to display. And most importantly, they capture what matters. Again, go to DuncanAndStone.com to find out more. So back in 2021, I had a guy on the podcast. His name's Patrick Stewart. He runs, he's the CEO of Apricot Lane Boutiques uh, clothing store. And uh, Patrick was talking about really running this massive system of franchises all across uh, the United States. In fact, they just opened a store in Northwest Arkansas that I think is pretty cool and pretty exciting. Um, but Patrick talked about something. He was talking about what makes his boutique store special. Now, keep in mind, this was back during the time it was post COVID. So brick and mortar stores were already, excuse me, struggling. And not to mention that brick and mortar stores, despite 
what happened with COVID were already on the decline. We've actually seen a number of mainstream stores over the years that have shut their doors permanently, which is why it was so interesting to me that Patrick was talking about the explosive growth that Apricot Lane was having. This was a bit of a of a anomaly. It was like, how is this business doing so well in an industry that is frankly seems to be dying, doubled by the fact that there is this worldwide pandemic? So I was asking him about this. I was like, what's the secret? Like, how are you guys growing so much? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And he began to talk to me about his whole philosophy of business and more importantly, how they treat their customers. Now, this was something that I already was a bit passionate about, but as I was listening to Patrick talk about it, it's it's really been something that has continued to honestly be one of the main things I try to instill into my customers. He began talking about the power of seeing your customers as a VIP. And where he was getting with this was that, you know, more often than not, how people treat their customers is it, it's like a cog in the machine. It's you got the sale and then you move on to the next sale. And, and, and actually, by the way, if you've been following the podcast, you might have seen my episode with Brian Sexton that I posted a couple of weeks ago where he he talked about this um, this topic exactly. He was talking about, uh, Brian was talking about how salespeople don't build the relationship until there is a transaction. And it's what causes a lot of, of salespeople to really struggle because they go for the transaction. And then once the transaction's there, then they start to build the relationship. It's like, and, and kind of the way I see it is that, you know, you get a new customer and you're like, okay, what's the bare minimum I can do? Uh, to keep this customer basically. And I think a lot of people do a bad job of this where, you know, you get like the, um, the birthday card in the mail, you know, you get like the pre-printed thank you card that it's like, thanks for doing business with us, Blake. And, you know, things like that. I think some businesses take it a step farther and they ask you, you know, when you, when you, when you sign up with them, like, Hey, when's your birthday month? And maybe they send you like a card in the mail for your birthday. Now, again, it's not handwritten. It's a pre-printed card or it goes in your email or what have you, but it's at least a little bit nicer than the businesses who are doing like the most generic thing. And it's certainly nicer than the businesses that are doing literally nothing. These are the businesses that you know, their relationship with their customers are built purely on transactions. And beyond that, there is literally nothing tying them to you. These kinds of customers will very quickly jump ship to a different brand, a different business. You know, their neighbor will tell them about, hey, you got to, you know, here's the business I'm using. They're really great. And your customer will jump to that business because heck, word of mouth is really powerful. But they don't stick around and they don't ultimately make you too much money long term. This is just simply how some people run their business, by the way. And I I used to say like I didn't fault people for this or I didn't like begrudge them of it. Um, I'm going to say I, I do think it's bad business. I think it's it's a bit nonsensical. It's a bit bad business, a bit of bad business, only because from like a business sense, you are leaving money on the table. Uh, but from like a doing right by people sense you you are doing the bare minimum. So it's I think it's wrong on two accounts. Getting back to my point, Patrick's telling me, I'm asking about the secret sauce for 
How is his clothing store? How's his brick and mortar clothing store exploding in growth despite COVID, despite the industry dying? And he tells me the story about how he trains his staff, or rather the franchise owners, where when a customer comes in, instead of doing the bare minimum to get that person to buy, they actually have a conversation with that customer. Hey, what are you looking for? Now, for those of you who are introverts out there, this is like the worst kind of store because you know, you're the person you go into the store and it's like, oh, please don't talk to me. Like, please leave me alone. <laughs> but th- what Patrick talks about is, hey, like, what are you coming in for today? You know, is there anything I can help you with? Oh, you're looking for this. Oh, okay, cool. And what Patrick trains his staff to do is to actually learn a thing or two about the customers. Oh, you like, you like this, you know, and I don't know about clothing, by the way, I actually know nothing about clothing. So for the sake of like this analogy, for the sake of this, um, easy doggy, for the sake of this story, um, are you okay, doggy Sadie? My dog just like randomly, I'm telling you, I could never record a podcast And then as soon as I hit the record button, the dog just goes crazy. It's like something so bizarre. Anyway, this is like a daily thing on my podcast now where I talk about my dog or my kids. But hey, it's my life. Get used to it, you know? Anyway, so he talks about ultimately his staff learning what his customers are looking for and more importantly, what his customers actually want. And then ultimately from there, it's, and again, it's not about, it's not about like, Hey, how do I upsell you? How do I add on with you? It is a genuine desire to learn a thing or two about their customers and to provide that answer for them. Now I joked about like not knowing anything about clothes, but I will tell you there is a certain kind of shirt that I really like that I have not been able to find for uh quite a while now actually i have a certain kind of shirt a a business casual shirt that i like it was gifted to me about five years ago and the company who makes them doesn't make them anymore drives me crazy but i love this shirt i really do uh well the shirt got ruined i get like it got like washed with like a pen or something The shirt got ruined and I've always wanted that kind of shirt. And in fact, the rare times that I'm actually going into a clothing store, I typically ask, Hey, do you, do you have this kind of shirt? And nine times out of 10, I'm told, "Uh, no, we don't have that or we don't have it in stock or, you know, whatever. Well, what Patrick talks about is the kind of customer service where someone says, well, what's the kind of shirt? Okay. Well, Hey, let me, um, let me look that up. Like, let me see if I can figure out like who, who even would have that. Hey, if we don't have it, I can at least maybe find a store that would have something like that for you. I mean, this kind of customer service is frankly a bit unheard of. It usually doesn't happen. Why doesn't it happen? So I've I've been since 2021, I've kind of been on this like wild tangent about customer service and, you know, wowing your customers. And it's been something that I've really become pretty passionate about. We'll pair that then with another story of another person I was talking to who this guy runs like a mega, mega millionaire kind of business. Well, for all of his customers, he buys them basically an expensive gift 
uh, at some point when they're working together. And it's some like crazy, um, what's like the crazy expensive champagne, like the Don Perignon something. I don't know. Um, I'm obviously poor. I can't, <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce this stuff. So point is he buys them these crazy gifts. So I have that as a data point. Well, I've been thinking a lot about this lately and I've been noticing, and, I, and this isn't by the way, the first podcast episode we've had on this. I've noticed over the years, how little people do to win over their customers. I've noticed how little people are doing to show their customers, hey, thank you for your business and your business matters to me. This isn't, by the way, just related to customers. I think the same thing is true for employees. I think that often people are looking for literally any way to show value to their employees that that doesn't involve money. <laughs> I told the story of, uh, I've told this story actually a thousand times recently even, the uh, HR company that I talked to, who they were like, hey, we need a good idea for an employee appreciation party. There's 250 employees and only a $200 budget. Like, what do we do? And I was like, this is stupid. Well, flash this back then to another company I talked about in, I think it was 2021. A, uh, I think it was a realtor company, but they experienced some massive success in their business what they did is they took the majority of that profit and they sliced it up and they gave it to their employees. This, this was national news, by the way. I, I just don't have, this just came to my head. So I don't have this story in front of me, but I need to revitalize this. I'll share it on social media again, but they noticed, Hey, our employees got us here. Let's, let's give it back to the employees. It's a simple step of intentionality that often does not happen. You don't typically hear stories like that. Instead, you hear stories of the opposite. In fact, something that I talked about during COVID that I'll be really honest, it really kind of pissed me off. It, it was it was just a bit insufferable was businesses that were struggling, that were asking their employees to willingly give back portions of their paycheck to support the business. That's very obnoxious. It's very obnoxious. Um, because it assumes that your employees are for, for whatever reason that they are doing just fine during COVID, uh, con contrast this by the way, with an, a local business who I know during COVID, all of the leadership took big pay, big pay cuts so that their front line employees wouldn't have to, they wouldn't suffer in any way. So that takes some intentionality that takes some attention to treating people right. So where does this take me? Last week, and, and, and like I said, this isn't a new conversation. I feel like I'm a, a broken record at this point talking about this. But last week I talked about the power of the handwritten note. Sending someone a handwritten note, writing someone a letter, telling them thank you, how that can do more for your business than any, than any expensive marketing campaign, it can do more for your business than, um, you know, the best website, the best pitch, you know, you could get up in front of a crowd of people and just nail it when it comes to talking about your business. All of that gets dwarfed by the intentionality that comes with writing someone a handwritten note. 
In fact, I talked about this last week and I coincidentally received, I got one here. I'll show it on the camera. I actually received a handwritten note from a customer last week who wrote me and said, Hey, thank you for the, this advertisement that we sold them on the podcast. And I was thinking about this a little bit now, quick disclaimer. I don't think I'm a genius business person. I do think I talk a lot about things that are very basic yet. Many people are not doing them, but imagine this for a second. Imagine instead of you always chasing customers and more importantly, praying to God that your customers stay with you. Imagine that a customer not only stays with you, but writes you a letter in the mail thanking you for the services that they paid you for. Again, I'm not a genius business person. I don't, I don't, I don't even know if I'm really that good of a business person. <laughs> I've just been around five years, which is longer than, you know, statistically, a lot of businesses make it. But what I can tell you is I know with this particular customer, I have genuinely made it a point to try to treat them as best as I can and to deliver on what I promised I would deliver. And for me, it's, it's a moral obligation. It's this person has trusted me with their dollar. So how do I make sure that I do right by them? But this customer here has spent over $6,000 working with me this last year. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. So think about your customers. What would it take for your customers to spend a lot of money with you and then be grateful to you at the end of that, to be writing you and thanking you for the work you did for them? Obviously, you need to try to do a good job. And this is frankly what keeps me awake. I mean, maybe it's imposter syndrome, but I, I, I terrified is not the right word because like I'm confident I'm confident in how I do business and I'm confident in what I sell. And if I didn't believe in what I sell, I wouldn't sell it. But so the word's not terrified, but I am extremely conscious when someone signs a contract with me. I'm extremely conscious when someone pays me money that I have a both business and moral obligation to treat their investment seriously and to do right by them. And I don't know if that's like, like my Christian background. It's like, don't be evil. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I, I would like to think I'm just a normal human dude and that, that everyone operates the same way. However, I think that would be naive to assume so. I think we've all been burned in some way. Uh, not, not maliciously. I think sometimes we have people who we hire and... In hindsight, we're like, you really weren't the right person for that. You really weren't that good at that. Um, I, I had someone who came to my Tuesday morning growth group, uh, amazing business person, but someone paid her to do a service and they said, Hey, well, can you also do this thing that really wasn't in her wheelhouse? And she genuinely thought she could. She was like, I think I can. So she added that onto the service and it, it didn't pan out and it wasn't malicious. She just genuinely thought, I, I think I can do that. So whenever someone signs with me or signs up with me or whatever you want to call it, I feel a very real sense of urgency 
to deliver on what I said I would. So I think that's the first thing. I think turning an average buyer into a raving fan, it starts with that. At the end of the day, they're hiring you for a service. And if you can't deliver on that service, they shouldn't have hired you. I think about a guy who does web design and he was telling me about his service and he said, Hey, can you look at my, my, uh, my website? Or he was asking me about, can you look and see like, how does this look? So I was looking at his offer. Well, coincidentally, I looked at his website. Frankly, his website was pretty terrible. I don't even know a lot about websites. Uh, I mean, actually, it's not really true. I actually know a lot at this point. Again, after five years of like bootstrapping and having to do everything myself, I actually know quite a bit, but I wouldn't like necessarily go start like a web design agency, I guess, where we do just that. But I looked at his website and I thought, I don't, I know I wouldn't hire you. This isn't very good. There's a lot of basic things you should be doing that you're not doing. Or I had a friend of mine who he paid for a website and the person who built the website didn't build a mobile version for it. And I thought to myself, actually, I told him, I said, Hey, I'm not telling you where you should spend your money, but all I can tell you is, and I don't remember the stat today, but I was like 80% of web visits are going to be on a mobile phone. And if you don't have a mobile site in 2023, this is literally insanity. This is nuts. Or 2022 is when this happened. So I don't know a lot, but I know enough to know this is not good. So that's the first thing. If you want to stand out against your competitors, if you want to be the easy choice, you have to be good at what you do. You have to be able to deliver on what you say you will. It doesn't mean that you have to be the best. And by the way, this isn't like a cop out to, you know, I have to be just good enough or anything like that. This is more of a comment around, you know, if you're five, I'm five years in business. Well, when I reach year 10, I'm probably going to look back at year five and cringe and be like, dude, I was an idiot. Like, what was I thinking? Like, I I can't believe I sold that. Like, I'm way better now. This just kind of comes with, with, you know, running a business and improving your craft. So like, you're not the best today, but you are always improving and collecting feedback. But you you have to be able to deliver on what you said you would do. That's the first thing. So if you're looking for a hack in today's episode about creating raving fans while also having a really crummy business, it's, it's not going to happen. There, there's no answer for it. Okay. You've missed it. So that's, that's objective one. That's the first thing. The second thing though, is to create intentional moments to show your customers that they are your most important customer. Now you're, you're, Ideally, your customers aren't like ego hungry. They they have an idea that that's not the case. I have a customer out of Little Rock. He threw me 500 bucks to get him started on some things. I'm going to venture and guess that he knows he's not my biggest customer. I'm just going to guess. I think it's pretty obvious. I think he knows he's not my biggest customer. Um, just in like our nature of our conversations. But I'm also not going to like ignore his emails I'm not going to, I mean, I think about this customer, customer who sent me the thank you card, 
who spent over $6,000. And then this other customer who spent $500. Now, if we were like, if like, for whatever reason, the world was going to end and I could email just one of them, I would probably email. I mean, this is such a weird example, by the way, this doesn't make any sense, but I'd probably email the $6,000 customer, you know, cause like I, I would feel a closer tie and obligation to that person. But when both of these emails come into my inbox on a given day, let's say they both email me, I'm going to respond to both of them that day because I promised both of them that that is how I do business and that they, here's how you can reach me. Here's how you can expect to hear from me. So I have a, I have a nature of how I do business despite the value of the customer that, that. I do it that way because I want the customer to know that you've partnered with me and despite the dollar amount you've spent, I'm present, I'm available and your investment matters. Now, in the grand scheme of things, will there be days that you are limited capacity? Will there be days that you actually do have to prioritize one customer over another? Absolutely. Of course. And it would be it would be nonsensical to recommend otherwise, especially if your business is is struggling. You know, you're not going to go take the five hundred dollar customer to lunch versus the six thousand dollar customer. You just, but you're also not going to ignore that customer, and you're nothing but an ant to me. <laughs> you're nothing to me. So, like, yeah, this five hundred dollar customer, he emails me. Hey, yeah, this is what I think. Yeah, feel free to reach out. Uh, he, emails, he emails me often and I respond. Yeah, this is what I think. You know, I mean, he emails me casually with like no subject headlines. Hey, I was thinking about what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, this is what I think. Cause I feel like that's the right thing to do. And you might be thinking like, well, Blake, why it's a $500 customer. Like why, why do that? Like, it seems like this is a bit anti-strategic. It seems like it doesn't make sense. Well, for two reasons. One, I, I think it's the right thing to do. And I, I wish I had something like savvier to say about that. I just, I just think it is. I think it's the right thing to do. But two, from like a pure business standpoint, who's to say that three years from now, his business hasn't taken off. He's probably going to remember me. In fact, I, I, when he gets to the point where he's ready to scale his business, I'll probably be one of the first people he calls. Or if he's small, maybe he has a business mentor or a, a, um, someone who's in his industry that he really admires, who he swaps notes with and chats with, who's a little bit farther along than he is. Who's to say that he wouldn't give a referral from that business to me to say, hey, you got to call Blake. This guy's amazing. This guy's trustworthy. You, can, you should check him out. See, I think sometimes as business owners, we're so short-term sale-driven that we miss the opportunity for long-term value in our business. And the reason we do this is I think sometimes our business is a bit mismanaged. You know, you're fighting fires literally all day long. You have a systems problem in your business. You have a management problem in your business. You're not able to get past fire and fire and fire, you know, from one problem to the next. So I think that's part of it. I think also um, there's people out there who are so 
scarcity minded that they can't trust they 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 have to think about the sale today um because it may not be there tomorrow and then lastly i think people are a bit too risk averse to engage in the possibility of what could happen down the road because it could be this $500 customer it could be that he never calls me again it could be that our contract ends he moves on Maybe he changes industries. He's like, oh, this isn't for me. He totally forgets about me. So the question then is, well, was my time wasted? From a long-term business standpoint, yeah, I guess. Now, I still have the integrity that I, like my character. I did the right thing by this person, which I like. But I think people sometimes want surety of If I invest here, here, and here, will there be a return on my investment three years from now? And I'll just say in business, I just don't, I don't think that surety exists, but what we're talking about is the long game and doing this enough where the odds are stacked in your favor. So like sending a thank you card to this $500 customer may go nowhere. But if I send enough thank you cards, it may be enough to turn the tide for my business and create some real traction. That's what we're playing for. We're playing for the long game. Talked about this in the show before, you know, entrepreneurship, running a business. This is a 10 year game. It's not a six month game. It's a 10 year game, which is why it's so important then to be doing things to be conscious of those 10 years, a year from now, two years, two years from now, three years from now, and so forth. So I deeply believe in sending thank you cards. I deeply believe in doing things that matter. Uh, I have a gift I'm working on right now that I can't share because I know the business, the customer listens to the podcast, so I can't spoil it. But I think my third point would be You have to listen to your customers, listen to what matters to them, observe, pay attention to what they care about. And it's as simple as I have a customer who, and by the way, I don't know, this feels like a smart example, but I don't know enough about jewelry. This actually may end up seeming like a really dumb example. So if that's the case, I ask that you just take the heart and soul of what I'm saying. But I have a customer who I noticed that So she's coming up on a big anniversary for her business. I think it's like eight years and she, I want to get her like a, like a piece of jewelry that sort of like commemorates this, like a bracelet or something. And I want to get it branded and, and all this stuff or engraved, excuse me. Well, I was looking, we were chatting, we were in a meeting and I noticed she was wearing a lot of gold. She had gold rings on. She had a gold purse. Um, again, I'm not like a jewelry expert, so I, there's just a lot of gold, okay? A lot of gold around. So I was thinking about this gift, and I thought, well, would I get silver or would I get gold? Well, if I got silver, she'd probably appreciate it. But it's not, because I've paid attention, I've noticed she doesn't wear, I, I feel like this is a thing, right? Like I, someone gave me advice forever ago that if someone... If someone wears a bunch of silver, you buy them silver. 
If they wear a bunch of gold, you buy them gold and you don't, you do not mix this up. I don't know. Remember where this is like a, like a latent memory. I don't, I don't know where this is from. So again, you guys who are jewelry experts, you're free to, you're free to reach out to me and tell me if this is like the dumbest example ever, but point being my motive, the heart behind what I'm wanting to do is to gift something that would be meaningful and fits who my customer is because I've paid attention and I've listened. I've listened. And I, I want my customers to know that I know them, that they weren't just a transaction for me, that they weren't just a thanks for the money, see you later, which I easily could be. There's a lot of people, that's how they operate their businesses. I've known many people, and I don't really say this anymore because it sounds really douchey, but I used to say, man, I can make a heck of a lot more money if I was willing to be just like this slimy salesperson because there's people out there who do really well for themselves and, you know, it, it just is what it is. Point being though, I want to do right by my customers. I want them to know they're not just a transaction and the best way to show that is to find ways to demonstrate it. It's to show that you slowed down, that you thought about them, and you took action to demonstrate, hey, thank you for your business. We're very good at saying that, by the way. I don't know if we're very good at showing that. When I was a high school teacher, a lot of people don't know, I was a high school teacher 10 years ago in Houston, Texas. And it was a really hard work environment. There was a lot of turnover. Uh, if you hear news about a teacher shortage, I mean, there's been a teacher shortage in Houston for over a decade now. It's never changed. A lot of turnover though. Um, my first year, I think I was on a team of like 12 or 13 for the science department. Well, by year three, I was the department chair and it wasn't because I was a brilliant teacher, but because I think I was the only one left. I think everyone had moved on by that point. So a lot of turnover. Very hard work environment. Honestly felt like trauma working there. Traumatic. And every time we'd get an email, some of these emails were really tough to read. Every time we'd get an email, it would always end with, and thank you for all that you do. And if you need something, feel free to ask us. Like One of those two things. Well, we knew that if we asked, that sometimes we would get in trouble. And I won't get into it in this episode, but I've told the story before about my coworker, another teacher who we really needed some help. We went to our bosses and he was fired. He was let go. I mean, talk about scary for a first time teacher, but yet that signature remains on the email. Let us know if you need anything. Hey, thank you for all that you do. And yet the teachers did not feel thanked. They did not feel appreciated. I say that because it's not enough to simply say, thank you for your business. Everyone's saying that. Everyone is saying the same thing. To really stand out and show your customer that you're thankful. That requires slowing down, thinking about it, and looking for ways to demonstrate it. It's not unlike a marriage or someone close to you. Do I tell my wife I love you 
or do I show her that I love her when she has a long day, she's exhausted, my hair's on fire, I'm exhausted too, but when she goes to bed, I go in and I clean the kitchen. It takes intentionality. It takes slowing down. Most businesses are not willing to do that. And I know this for a fact because I had a person who I talked to who worked for an insurance agency and she said, we're not, we're not getting enough customers. What should we do? And I said, you know, your biggest problem in your industry is that no one ever hears from you until it's time to buy from you. It's time to re-up on your contract, on your insurance contract agreement, whatever. No one ever hears from you until it's time to buy, which means that people have very little loyalty to you. And they're just going to jump around. If you want to get more customers, it's going to start with a little bit of intentionality. So if I were you, I would go buy a package of thank you cards. You can get them off Amazon for like 20 bucks. I know this because I used to write a handwritten note to everyone who came on the podcast, just saying, hey, it was always at the end of the year, like Christmas time. I would just say, hey, thank you for coming on the podcast this year. Thanks. It was really great. I really appreciate you. I used to do that. So I know how much it costs to buy a bunch of thank you cards because it was like a hundred a year. So I said, go do this, go buy some thank you cards, spend a couple hours just writing, Hey, thanks for your business. Hey, I really appreciate it and sign it and send it. Well, I saw this person a couple of weeks later. I said, Hey, did you ever, did you ever buy those thank you cards? Uh, no, I, I got so busy. You know, I got so much going on. Yeah. I thought, I thought you probably didn't. Because most people don't, most businesses don't do these things and they're missing out. They're missing out on easy repeat customers, easy sales, missing out on the opportunity to turn an average person into a crazy, addicted, raving fan of your business cult ish. I feel like that should be like my tagline on LinkedIn. I'll give you, I'll help you create your next cult. Um, no, but seriously, please don't turn your customers into a cult. Um, but you know, think about like those brands that people are obnoxious over. I use, I don't really talk about it much anymore, but when I worked at Chewy's, I so loved working at Chewy's that for years later, I would talk about Chewy's. And then I ran into somebody who I hadn't seen in like four years and somehow Chewy's came up and he's like, yeah, man, you love that Chewy's. And I had forgotten about this. But the fact that he mentioned it, I was like, oh my gosh, this person like, this person has like connected my identity with Chewy's. I can never, I can never separate it in his mind. That's what you want for your customers. For when your business gets mentioned, oh my gosh, oh, you got to work with Blake. Oh, Blake's the best. Blake's going to take care of you. I was in a, a B&I meeting. I was subbing for somebody a couple weeks ago and somebody was giving a shout out to another business owner. This guy's name was, the guy getting the shout out, his name was Scott. And um, this person stands up, they're talking about Scott and they said, hey, Scott, man, you're so easy to recommend. And I thought that is the ultimate compliment in sales. Easy to recommend. Easy to recommend. Not because you're the cheapest, but because you do right by your customers. Remember, it actually does not take much to stand out. A little intentionality goes a long way. And I am constantly looking 
for those small moments of intentionality with my customers. It's not about manipulation. You're not manipulating them into the next sale. You're trying to do right by them. You're trying to show them that you think about them, you care about them, and you appreciate them. So if you're trying just to hit the next sale, you're, you're doing the actions while missing the heart behind it. And that will come off as hollow to your customers. They'll know exactly what you're doing. They'll sniff it out. They'll go the opposite direction. But if you become addicted to looking for those opportunities, it's wild some of the things that you'll come up with that wow your customers. I have a customer whose birthday is tomorrow. I'm going to send him a text. Hey, I was thinking about you. Happy birthday. It may, not move, it may not move the needle much, but I can tell you they're going to be like, oh, wow, how did he know it was my birthday? That was, that's, I mean, okay. Is he stalking me? You know, I don't know. You know, it's, you know, maybe this isn't, I don't want your customers to think you're stalking them, obviously. Don't do that. But I am always looking for ways to stand out. One thing that I do, I shared about it on social media today. Every new customer gets a video from me. I turn on the mic, I turn on the camera, I turn on the microphone, and I just say, hey, Garrett, thanks so much for, for doing business with me. I'm really excited to share about your business on the podcast. Um, you know, here's how you can reach me. Thank you. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. And it's 30 seconds. It's a minute, a minute and a half. I attach that to an email where it's a hand, I say handwritten. It's, it's not an automated email. It's, hey, Garrett, here's a quick video I did for you. Again, thanks so much. I'm really looking forward to our work together. Here you go. And I send it off. It's a tiny step I'm taking to show my customers that they matter, that their dollar is something I appreciate. And if you do, if you do these things enough, then the next time you get up and you want to talk about why you're different, you won't have to say it. It'll just be obvious to everyone in the room because they'll know about you. They'll have heard about you. Uh, and frankly, they'll be easy to do business with in the future. Slow down, show some intentionality, and wow your customers. Do a good job, but you know that's the cake. We're talking about the icing on the cake. Take those extra steps to wow your customers. Build those raving fans, build your tribe, and you will be shocked. Easy it is to make money. Hey, that's today's good advice. A little bit of a longer episode today. Thanks for hanging in there. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode and you're not following the podcast, hey, what the heck you waiting on? Click that subscribe or follow button so you can keep getting good advice wherever you are. Don't forget, we have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash good advice where you can support the, the podcast for as little as a cup of coffee. And also don't forget that if you want to advertise on the show, you can always reach out at blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. Hey, that's all today's good advice. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I'll catch you on next episode, on the next episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I'll see you later.